resort. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. This week's guest took over our television sets in the early 2000s while competing for a spot in Diddy's all-male R&B supergroup on MTV's Making the Band 4. While he didn't secure a spot in the group, we watched him sign to Bad Boy as a solo artist, record a debut album, tour across the country, and turn some of the most iconic theaters into water parks as the ladies were sliding off their seats. Here to talk to us about the ups and downs of the music industry, his career transition, and to make my teenage self lose his fucking shit, it's Donnie Klang. I thought you were going to mess up, you said. I was I was trying not to. Yeah. That's, that's the in- first time I've successfully read it in front of someone else that's without incredible. screwing it up. Yeah. Uh, one thing. It was late 2000s. It wasn't early 2000s. 2010? Uh, that album came out? Oh, oh wait. Oh, oh wait. wait. That's early 2000s yeah, yeah, yeah. now. I guess. We're old. Yeah, that no, yeah. The whole 2010s <laughs> went by. I forgot about that. <laughs> 2022. My God. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's nice reliving that trip down memory lane. Though. Oh, we're going to go there. Don't Sick. worry. That's just the beginning. Yeah, I'm pumped. <laughs> Thank you for sitting down and doing this with me. Thank you for inviting us here. The studio is insane. Of course. I can't believe that this is all hidden behind a little like industrial park and comfort yeah. in. Yeah. That's where we parked. It's fun fact. You could park there. Are they going to the, tell the us? The owner of that building owns this building. So. Oh, really? Yeah, you're safe. Any Sick. any spots. Sick. Yeah. I should have put that note on the car. <laughs> Going to Love Sound Studio. Don't yeah. tell us. <laughs> okay, so let's start from the beginning. So you were born in Brooklyn, but you grew up on Long Island. Uh half and half. Okay. So I um my parents got divorced when I was little. So my dad was in Elmont. Um, my dad got remarried. He was in Elmont. I grew up with my mom. I lived mostly with my mom in Brooklyn until I was like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And then I moved out to Levittown with my mom. And I still was always back and forth to my dad's house. So, And then my dad was in Elmont. And then he moved out to like Rocky Point, Sand right. Beach. Right. So yeah, half and half. But mostly, like you just said, we're old now. So <laughs> mostly Long Island now. The percentage changed my whole life. I'm like, all right, 50% of my life I lived in Brooklyn. Yeah. And now that percentage is like smaller. 20%. It's yeah. weird as time passes. Yeah. Things get different. Um, so you started modeling as a baby. And in your younger years, you were dabbling in acting. And you appeared on NYPD Blue, The Nanny. I was, yeah. Did you meet Fran? <laughs> I did. What was that like? So my scene on the show was, so my parents were like, not stage parents, because they weren't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really, really wanted me to get into it. So like you said, at a young age, as a baby, my mom was driving me to the city to do like baby modeling right. stuff. I was a Ford modeling baby. <laughs> and then, uh, the show on the nanny was years later where I was doing like extra work. Nothing really big ever happened, but that scene was probably one of the biggest scenes. And it was, she did a cameo on a talk show. Mm-hmm. And then she comes out and all of a sudden she's this famous superstar. Uh-huh. And I was her biggest fan waiting outside. <laughs> so I had to literally scream, flail around, yeah. and ask her for an autograph. That's funny. Yeah. How old were you when you did that? Oh, God. Probably like eight, maybe nine. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So was acting something that you wanted to pursue before music? Or were you just kind of doing it because you were young and it was yeah, there? Yeah, we're close. In Brooklyn, it was like quick little trip over to the city for auditions and stuff right actually i probably would have pursued it but when we moved out here it was like a 15 20 minute trip for auditions turned into like an hour and 20 minute trip so it kind of 
right stalled it out and then music just took over yeah so where did music start for you oh god i mean start start probably like my little cassette tape <laughs> karaoke machine uh-huh. that i used to have way back in the yeah. day and then like boys to men tapes would go in there i can't even believe my parents my mom would let me listen to that stuff yeah now that i look back like i've just been i start i have two babies uh-huh. i don't know if we're gonna get to that but yeah I play the music all the time in the living room and I'm like, I mean, let me play them my oldies. <laughs> and I'm like, Joe to see boys to men. I'm like, this is a little vulgar now. Yeah. I'm like listening to kids, but my mom let me listen to it. I used to hide because my mom wouldn't let me listen to certain shit. So yeah. I would like hide with my cassette Walkman yeah, yeah. in my room nice. or in the closet and just hide the tapes somewhere so she wouldn't find yeah. them. Because anything that had like that little label on it, the advisory label, yes. she tried to take from me. Meanwhile, she's got a trucker mouth, so yeah. I don't know what the difference no, was. A hundred percent. I mean, I ended up actually having to... This dates us so much. How old are you? Because you look young. <laughs> I'm turning 30 this year. Yeah, so you're not... You're. I got six, seven, eight years on you. That's not that different. Yeah, but back then, there was like... I used to record my own tapes uh-huh. off the radio. Yeah, so did I. So I would have... Yeah. yeah. But I was a weird kid. Like When I was like five, I just told this story the other day. I think it was on the last episode that I would go to the music store all the time instead of like the toy store. Wow. I would drag my parents into the music store and I like knew all the employees there at the wall. You remember the wall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would buy like all the latest shit. I was always obsessed with music. So I was doing the same thing. I was like recording the new songs off the radio in the car. Yeah. So bad. And then they would talk too much like into the beginning. Do you remember that? Well, that that I think is what planted the seed in me to do all this recording stuff right. cuz i used to have to like try to cut it out i would mm-hmm. try to make my own beats out yeah. of like the beginning intros of people's beats i would loop it to make my own instrumental mm-hmm. so yeah probably back then is where all the music stuff started but then i got serious in in high school right so in high school you were in a pop group yeah which you were in for 9 years yeah. called INT um how did you meet the other members and how did you decide to start a band How long do we have right now? (laughs) I'm on your time schedule. (laughs) So it's it's a little it's a little bit of a tricky scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if we were together for nine years. The internet might say that the internet lies. We weren't that big. Nothing really ever happened. We were originally called Play a Deception, and Mm -hmm. this is where the whole entire thing gets a little tricky because Play a Deception was our first group. We met in high school. When I moved out here, I went to public school for two years, and then my mom was like, "I need to send you to Catholic school. Like, we need to shape you up because you this Brooklyn." <laughs> what kid, were you whatever. doing? I have no idea. <laughs> Nothing. And then, uh, so I met a bunch of kids at St. Dominic's mm-hmm. from like different areas of Long Island, and one of them happens to be my now business partner here. So his name is Matt. He was in that first group. He wasn't in that second group, so it's a little bit of like okay. that unspoken yeah. time. Right. We had a couple, we had a falling out and we had a couple years where like we didn't speak. Um, right. So that was the INT years. And both groups had little things that happened that were very, very close. Mm-hmm. Our, our first group was signed to Matthew Knowles, who's Beyonce's yeah. dad. He was our manager. Oh, that's crazy. And then he... Brought us into Sony. That that story is pretty crazy, actually. We were in... So it was a Sam Goody. I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember those. It was like the wall. Yeah. Um, in Roosevelt Field Mall. And then this is before the days of social media, being able to post videos on YouTube. Right. We had to actually go out and make fans for ourselves. Right. We just had to go out, sing. We were really good with acapella harmonies and stuff like that. There was five of us. 
So we found out there was a girl group playing at Sam Goody at the Roosevelt Mall. We show up. We were singing behind the crowd. And then the whole crowd was like into us when they came out to perform. Mm -hmm. So the manager came out and was like, what are you guys doing? You can't be doing this. He's like, but tomorrow morning, you're going to meet me with your parents at Sony. And it was Beyonce's dad. Oh, shit. I'm managing you guys now. Who (laughs) were the girls? Do you know? Play? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them play at um, BLI Summer Jam or some shit when I was a kid. Yeah. They were cool back then. Yeah. So we ended up becoming friends with them through that because he was their manager. If you remember Dream Street. Yep, of course. Uh, Uh Chris Truesdale. Yeah, the kid with the spiky hair. (laughs) He did the song. He had a song with them. So he was performing there. So Mm -hmm. that was, to me, in the back of my head, that's like the unofficial start of when like things seriously started happening. Right. Although nothing ended up really yeah. happening. <laughs> At this point, was Destiny's Child a thing? Was that yeah, happening? So it was, this is the years where Beyonce was kind of going solo. Okay. She was just about to. Right. So we signed with this manager who you're like, all right, he's the biggest guy in the business right, right now. He manages Destiny's Child. Right. And his whole entire energy was put towards she's about to go solo. Their other daughter, Solange, mm-hmm. sang too. So yeah. she had a couple songs that came out around that time. And we were just like a couple white guys from Long Island that were just like kind of on his radar. But right. he sent us to do a few things, a couple national anthems or like work with a couple producers in the city. And that was it. It was it was fun while we did it. And it was really amazing. And it was a very, very big learning experience right. for us being that young. And then lawyers get involved and we were minors. So our parents were lawyers. Right. It was It was crazy. Okay, so then you broke up. How'd that happen? So, I mean, the whole lawyer thing. So this is probably like 11th grade, I want to say. So now we're getting into, we're stuck in this contract with this big manager. And everybody in in our schools thought we were doing something. Mm -hmm. And then some of us like to brag more than others. And then when it actually doesn't really pan out, it's like, what are you guys doing? You guys are just a joke, whatever. So the stress of that on top of, parents and then now we're in 12th grade who's going to college who has to get a job whatever and different i guess the parents were at different levels of like how much they wanted to support right their kid doing music right full-time some of them were like no you gotta go get your degree like i'm not letting you throw your life away and right so my mom was always extremely supportive i kind of kept doing it i went to Hofstra for a little bit but um, the groups kind of just fizzled out right. during that time. So were you going to school while you were doing the group? Yeah. So what ended up happening was then the first group broke up. Um, a couple of us went on to continue the group INT. Mm-hmm. And then we had another big situation that came on board. He was this guy, um, EJ something. He had, um, I guess he had a ton of money from like the boxing promoting world. Okay. And I guess he had connections through that. So I finished my first semester at Hofstra and then had to drop out because he's like, I'm flying you guys. We're we're going all over the place. And we did that whole spring semester. I dropped out and we were doing national anthems at a bunch of NBA games, baseball games. He had us working with crazy producers. We worked with Boys to Men, which Mm -hmm. was insane. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was like we were doing it, but it was it was just like another one of those kind of like broken promise situations. Right. So following the end of the group, you auditioned for American Idol. Yeah. What was that experience like? Yeah. So this is, this is that whole time was a little dark. Mm -hmm. It was like 
I dropped out of school. My whole entire group situation fizzled out. We broke up. And then I was like, you know what? I'm doing this solo. I'm going to make it on American Idol. And I thought walking in there, I'm like, there's absolutely no way I'm not getting on the right. show. I was at like the peak of every single part of my life. Physical, yeah. mental, vocally. And I went in there super confident and I didn't get through. And it was like, that was like, holy crap. Like, damn, what am I about to do? Yeah. With my life. Now what? It was like, just went through a bad breakup. Like, right. that was just like, looked like it was it. So I ended up actually shortly after that going back to school. To school? Yeah. What was that like? Were you pissed that you had to go back? So I wrote a long letter to Hofstra. I was there initially the first time on a scholarship. It's a super expensive school. Okay. Yeah. Um, we really couldn't afford it. I had some financial aid and then I had a, a big scholarship. Right. So I wrote this long letter about how Super professional. I pursued my career in music. Things didn't pan out. Uh, can you please? I can't afford the school without the scholarship. Can right. you please reinstate the scholarship? I promise I won't drop out again. Yeah. <laughs> That's foreshadowing a little bit. <laughs> and then you did. Yeah. So they let me back in. They gave the you the scholarship? Yeah. Wow. That's funny. And then you broke your promise. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about making the band. Um, I had no idea that the original season had nothing to do with Diddy yeah, and was O-Town. O-Town yeah. I had no idea until I started like rewatching stuff. Yeah. I think I just missed that iteration of the show for some reason. I think it was late 90s. Yeah. So it was, it was early. It was a little early. Yeah. And I didn't know that Lou Pearlman was a part of yeah. it, who turned out to be a douche for lack yes. of a better word. Yeah. Um, but he was responsible for NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. Yep. So to have someone like that putting together a group yep. seems very promising. Um, then they had making the band two. That was a disaster. Did yeah. you ever watch that one? I mean, yeah, that was crazy. I did when I was doing the research to, I watched making the band three. The Danity King yeah. season was that was my favorite. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then making the band four. Did you know before you auditioned? what you were going into like did you know it was a group did you know like the premise of what he was looking for yeah. or did you just take a shot yeah it was so i mean for me it was like i always had a group mentality like i grew up singing in groups right loved harmonies i didn't even mind being the guy that just sings the soft first verse right because that was kind of me and then like i'll do my backup thing for the rest of it right like, so going into it I thought it was maybe going to be more of like an O-Town situation. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. There was another little thing going on in the city right before that that I auditioned for and I actually made it into. And it was kind of like an O-Town, but it felt super corny. Right. And they didn't really have any backing. So I just kind of like walked away from that. Mm -hmm. That's like a little known fact. Nobody probably knows. Yeah. But I thought making the band was going to be that televised. Okay. So like kind of like what the O-Town experience was. So... I kind of went into it with that mentality, and then I quickly realized it was definitely going to be way more R&B right. the whole entire show, which was also amazing because that's what I grew up listening to. Right. What was the audition process like for that? Um, so it was in New York City. It was at, at the time, it was called The Bowery or something. It was on like Bowery Street. Mm -hmm. It was this like little club that had this like underground area in it. Oh, the ballroom. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. I was just there recently. They have like that, yeah, that like basement bar area. So when you go in, the upstairs was all like the check in, and then the downstairs was where they had like maybe a couple partitions up, and you were just like kind of getting cattled in and 
people are getting cut off like um, 10 seconds into their thing. You yeah. kind of hear the next door thing because right. it wasn't really barricaded that well. But the first day I had won a MySpace competition to cut the line. Oh, sick. <laughs> so I like showed up there and I was like, Wearing my Usher popped collar with the suit jacket and like, and this was what year? Yeah, this is oh six. Yeah, 07. so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I cut the line. It was Mike Bivens from New Edition was the guy that I met the first day. Okay. And I sang like one line. He's like, "I'm gonna cut you off right there." And I'm like, "Damn." Mm-hmm. He's like, "You're good, brother. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow." And, and I was through to the next day, but right. I only had to sing one line, and I thought it was just like a whirlwind. Yeah, that's weird. And then the next day, I go back, and it got real very quickly. Mm-hmm. It was the top, like I guess ninety out of however many tens of thousands were outside. Right. And it was the top ninety, and these guys were like the most incredible singers I've ever heard in my yeah. life. And I'm like, holy crap. And yeah. I didn't even really have to like deal with it that first day because I got to cut the line. Mm-hmm. And then it was it was intense. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So at this point, you're not auditioning for Diddy. No. It's another so there, team. There was like a vocal coach. There was Lorianne Gibson, who oh, was our choreographer. Her. I love yeah. her so much. Crazy story with her is, so she went on, obviously, to to do some stuff for Justin Bieber. Right. Her assistant was this skinny dude that was just like her, I guess, I don't know how else to word this. He was her little bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> she, he was the one, he was getting coffees for her, answering any little thing she said. Right. His name is Richie Squirrel, and he went on to become, he's Lady Gaga's main choreographer. Oh, that's crazy. And like MD, he does every single thing that she does. <laughs> For her sets. Wow, that's nuts. Richie, yeah. Which is crazy because her and Lorianne Gibson ended up parting yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. And there was some kind of falling out there. Probably. <laughs> I don't think they get along very well anymore. Yeah. But it's like little known and said that she kind of like created that whole aesthetic. Yeah. And the whole theme of what she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody knows if that's true or not. Who knows? I met her actually outside of a Lady Gaga concert. Wow. At Madison Square Garden. And this was many years ago. This was like right after the show, okay. which I was obsessed with. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God. Nice. I tried not to act like a fool. <laughs> um, what was it like working with her? Because she's worked with so many legendary people. Yeah, she uh, she was intense. But it's like, like again, I'll say this a couple of times throughout this interview because we're obviously going through my timeline. Mm-hmm. I kind of took something from everybody that I met. And right. she's definitely one of those people that now where I'm at doing artist development, I just like there's certain things you learn from certain people that stick with you. And yeah. sometimes getting that like harsh dose of reality or truth yeah. is what somebody needs to hear. Like, yeah, she's intense. Always, yeah, she's super. She was probably if there's that end of the spectrum, you kind of need that. Yeah. But sometimes it gets to be a lot. Mm-hmm. And then especially when you're dealing with like multiple personalities, when yeah. she was doing stuff for the groups and stuff, it was definitely... <laughs> Yeah, and in the later season, she's kind of doing everybody at the same time, which always seemed weird to me. Like, I don't know how you can keep track of so many different things. Um, So what happens when you make it through? Do you guys immediately start filming and like move into the house? So Was that real? Did you guys live there? We did, yeah. So that in my head is my college experience. (laughs) Yeah, like a dorm. It was basically (laughs) a dorm room. It It was an amazing penthouse, beautiful in New York City that we definitely turned into a disgusting crap hole by the end of it. But it was so fun. Yeah. 
And it was it was insane. That was like so there was we had to pack our bags. So we did that. That was our New York audition that first day I was mm-hmm. talking about. And then they did that in a couple different cities. And then they flew the top top, I guess it was top a hundred ish to New York to then do this little intensive workshop and then finally meet Diddy and sing for him. Right. And then from there, they were gonna narrow that hundred down to twenty. And we had our bags packed for mm-hmm four months just in case right if we were going in that was it we yeah. were going in they were taking our cell phones and we were moving into the house which is what happened that's crazy we went straight from there yeah that's insane yes. so you just moved right in so actually i didn't initially drop out of hofstra completely i was like maybe i might be <laughs> dropping out yeah because like what happens if you go home yeah. week two yeah then so what this is what happened was the beginning of February is when the New York auditions were. The end of February is when everybody was flown in. Mm-hmm. So there was like two weeks there where I was still going to Hofstra. Right. But my brain was just completely in the clouds. Yeah. And I think I got like a 17 on one of my tests. Like <laughs> it was terrible. If, if I didn't get, I don't know, if I didn't get through, I probably would have ended up flunking out of that whole yeah. semester. So how were you feeling throughout the process of the show because it's very intense. It's almost like an artist boot camp. Yeah. Were you feeling confident that you were going to make the group? Were you feeling like nervous, doubtful when you see all these other really talented people around you? Because everyone was very talented. So talented. That was, like I said, those were like, even that that top like 100 right. was just like, still to this day, I've worked with a ton of artists. Those were some of the most talented people I've ever heard in my life. Right. And I just kind of tried to hold on to the fact that like there's something different I bring to the table and I tried to be as much of a sponge as possible. Like right. if I'm in this room with these talented people, the, probably the top talent in our whole entire country, like let me just sponge up whatever I can from them. Like some of them played keys, some of them were amazing at riffs, some of them were falsetto, some of them were just great dancers. And I tried to like take whatever I could from each person what was going through your head when diddy called you out in front of everyone and said you couldn't dance (laughs) oh my god this this feels like which was not true another lifetime ago (laughs) um i mean at that point in my head i was just working as hard as i possibly could Mm -hmm. so it was like God, I don't even remember. I can't even imagine that I would have said something back to him. No, you looked you looked that. scared. I watched it again last night. Yeah. Yeah, you looked nervous. I haven't seen it in years. I do remember I said something back to him. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe I did that. I think they cut it out. Yeah, I just, I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm honestly such a Diddy hater. I should have disclosed that before this interview. <laughs> and I don't know who he thinks he is to tell people that they can't dance because he can't yeah, dance. Yeah. <laughs> he does that weird little shoulder shrug all the time. Diddy bop. And he looks ridiculous. Yeah. yeah so yeah. who he thinks he is to tell people that they can't dance is crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, now at this point in my life, I can't dance. <laughs> Back then. I'm sure you can still pull it out if you need to. Yeah. Well, I still go to my go to. Like I was, I could pick up choreography. Right. That's like what. And then I could like really, really digest it and yeah. try to master it. Right. To f- get up and freestyle. That was like. Well, there's so many different kinds of dancers too. Like there's yeah. people who dance so well, but they can't retain choreography yeah. or yeah, it's yeah, harder yeah. for them or the opposite. Like there's so many different styles of being a great dancer that's my business partner matt the funny thing is like if we ever go out somewhere it's like all right there's a little circle happening uh-huh. i send him into the circle yeah because he's the freestyler but he can't remember choreography for right anything. for me it's like i can't go freestyle but once i learn it 
I'll, I still remember it. That's 15 funny. years later. Yeah. So Diddy chooses each of the five members and you are not one of them. But in a plot twist, he announces that he's signing you to a solo deal with Bad Boy. Mm-hmm. Were you as surprised by that as you looked? <laughs> yes. I, we had no idea. Nobody on that whole show had any idea. I thought, and that little plot twist mm-hmm. was the longest 60 seconds. Yeah, because it happened life. really quick. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just like, I just remember looking down at my shoes, mm-hmm. standing on that stage, wherever that was, VMA stage, whatever it was. Right. Uh, in Times Square and I just remember looking down at my shoes and thinking like all right so like do I like have to re-sign up for college right there was just a billion thoughts going through my head and I was like and then like the rush of like damn yeah get a record deal like it was so and you couldn't even really hear what he was saying when he was talking about the solo deal yeah it was like I kind of just about to end the show yeah I didn't really hear it yeah I just like once people started coming up to hug me, I kind of just put two and two together. And yeah. like somebody said it in my ear after. And I was like, it's still, still to this moment. That's one of those, the most surreal moments. Yeah. Now that I've had kids, I guess those are, that's a little more surreal. But yeah. But that's like prior a, dif- a to different lifetime. Kids, yeah. Yeah. Prior to having babies, that was the craziest moment of my life. How soon after that do you guys start filming for another season? Is it immediate? So that, there was a couple months in between. But the crazy story about that situation was we were, so that was the end of August. And we went, so that was, I forget if it was a Sunday night. We partied that whole night Mm -hmm. with with Diddy. We went back to his apartment. It was our first time like kind of like breaking that little shield of like the MTV cameras. Right. And it was like, now we were friends with this guy and he just signed us to his label. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah, it was insane. So now we're in his apartment and we're like drinking. His Ciroc was brand new. He like brings out this like beautiful bottle of vodka mm-hmm. that we're like, oh my God. He's like, yeah, we'll send you it whenever you want. And That's we were crazy. Just like, what is going on? I like we their French vanilla. I put it in my coffee sometimes. Yeah. That, I, that might be an alcoholic thing to say, <laughs> but I don't care. Yeah. We should have had some of those. <laughs> no, we're not promoting yeah. him yeah, on yeah, this yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. French vanilla Stoli or something else. So we uh, partied all night. Went straight to like the morning radio stations, mm-hmm. Hot 97, Z100, whatever. Then we went straight to back to like, we, we, TRL was still a thing. We did interviews all day. I finally, I miss those days. Whatever. Oh, me too. My God. I finally saw my family. We went to dinner and then I get back to the hotel and the guy, one of the guys from day 26, Rob, um, was staying in my room and he's like, yo, this, this promoter out in Vegas just hit me up. They're doing, um, he has a clothing line and there's a big convention going on and then he wants to book us at a club. I was like, yeah, let me know. He's like, no, no, no. Like, we'd have to say yes right now and get on a flight right now. Right. And this was like, we're going on like 48 hours, no sleep. And that is where that life right. got real for me. Because yeah. it was, that was it. Well, it's so crazy because most artists are trying to break on radio in this time. There's this whole like promo circuit that you do when you're a new artist putting out a debut. Yep. That show was one of the biggest shows on television at the time. And Danity Kane had just happened. They were huge. Mm-hmm. Number one album. So it's almost like when you're on this show and you get a deal with them, you're already kind of a star to the public. Mm-hmm. People are already waiting for what's coming. So yep. it's such a unique experience compared to being signed to a deal back then yeah. as essentially, for lack of a better word, a nobody. Yep. And I, I do think also that is where 
that is the first seed of the mistake that was made with my career. Mm -hmm. Because now you had at least day 26, they had that song exclusive, right. which was kind of like the theme show for yeah. the, the theme song for the show. And then that's their song. Right. And with Danny Kane, same thing. They had like, I forget what it was, Showstopper or something. No, it was they, one shot. Yeah, the first. Yeah. yeah. The first. So, and then. The, I know that album from top to bottom. The finale, <laughs> they come out and they perform it. Right. So now here it is. It's like, all right, finale, surprise solo deal. They should have had maybe a solo song or right. something ready to go because now you wait those couple months and I used to see it like in between when we shot our seasons it was like out of sight out of mind right we would do shows back then and while the show was while the TV show was airing our shows in person were sold out right 2500 people 3000 people right. a couple of them were maybe like 7500 people in like the big cities yeah and then the month two months three months in between like the the airing to the next airing we were just like forgotten about yeah so i think that was one of the first first mistakes actually that was made right and to speak to what you're saying about the recognizable song when you watch the old footage of the show when the guys are out in the street and people are stopping them they're asking them to sing mm -hmm. what song are they singing exclusive yeah. acapella exactly. everyone knows the words yep. so it's already recognizable yeah. So that makes sense. And they did it with Danity Kane season too. It was that was the song and each I feel like they had different members coming in and out. I mm -hmm. haven't seen their season in a long time, but yeah. it was like, all right, hold on. Don't yeah. step up there. He was and swapping sing them, them out. Yeah. Yep. And they were just singing that song over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, All right, I got the group. And yeah. the group's there. They sing it again. The song comes out that day. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, he that's never a big difference. he never did it better with that show than what he did with them. A hundred percent. The way he did that whole thing. They even did like a um five song concert yeah. at the end of the finale where they had yes. become the band yeah. or made the album rather their second I season. That. Yeah, the and sun was setting behind them. Yeah, it was that at that whole... cool venue that yeah. everyone used to do shows at under yeah. the bridge. Yep. And that whole show was fire. It was like they were tight. They were together. Yeah. It was the first time you really saw them shine. Yep. But he didn't do that for other seasons. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's a big mistake. Even even looking back to O Town season, they had it wasn't all or nothing, but Liquid Dreams. Yeah, that was oh my god, like, that was the song mm -hmm. that they did the same thing. They all like I think they even had the music video pre filmed. Yep, and it all came out at once. Yeah, that was a great song. Yeah, um, had you met the girls of Dan and Kane before you guys started filming together in the second season? Um. Uh... Yes, they were at. Uh, hmm. No, we met them. We met them when on we camera. There. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So that whole all those scenes where you guys like went out that night. It was really authentic. that was real. Yeah, that's we maybe crazy. got to meet in this little holding room for like ten minutes before the cameras came barging in. Right. And that was it. I mean, that was no. I I thought they were at our finale, but they weren't at our finale. That's so insane. Yeah. And what is that like going into that with them? Because they're already kind of established. They have a number one album. They're selling out shows. They're kind of like already a name. Was that intimidating? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, I think it was it was tough for me personally mm -hmm. and my career, right. and my career path. Because now it's like, all right, I'm signed to a label. The label is relying on the power of TV. Mm hmm but then the TV show that I'm on, my kind of like popularity diminished after that first season because now I'm getting overclouded by these two, like one super group that's previously established. Right. And then another group that's five guys that have like 
arguments with each other or just like they make for better TV than right. one solo dude that's just like by himself trying to make it. Yeah. yeah. So there's no like drama with yourself. Yeah. Right. How would that happen? <laughs> I should have just like Jim carried it and beat myself up <laughs> in really? the bathroom. Like liar, liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. You should have flipped out. I should have. <laughs> in hindsight. Can we talk about the Donnie and Aubrey saga or is your wife going to flip? Yeah. Should, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's not too bad. There's the most, the most awkward thing that happened was we filmed that season mm-hmm. and me and Aubrey kind of went into it knowing this is what we should do. Right. Maybe we'll stage it, but we kind of didn't stage it. Right. And it just is what it is. And then we filmed that whole season and then things obviously did not work out with that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then the season airs. And in between that time is when I met my now wife. Oh, shit. So we I didn't realize like, that. We were dating and then the show airs mm-hmm. and then the finale comes and now I got to like bring people this time to right. the finale. So my, at the time, girlfriend is there and Aubrey goes up to her like, don't you feel special? We both kiss the same guy. And she's such a like, so extra about she's it. She's such a, yeah, extra is the right word. Extra person. Yeah, like yeah. she would say something like that I'm instead like, of just oh, not. Jesus. <laughs> so it was, it was real because that was my question. Yeah, you guys yeah. were really dating. It wasn't like it planned. Was, it was it was initially semi-planned. Mm-hmm. We were like, obviously, let's try to make this happen. I'm like the one white guy and you're the popular girl from right. the group. And, like, and she was let's see what the happens. hot one. Yeah. Yeah. So it got a little bit real when we were in. They. It was just a surreal situation. Like I look at these dating shows. Mm-hmm. We have a girl from here right now that's on Love Island, USA. Okay. I don't know if you've watched any of it. I've heard of it, but I don't watch it. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> It's very raunchy. It's on Peacock, so it's streaming. It's not okay. like an actual. Yeah. It's not NBC. It's it's their streaming <laughs> service. Yeah. So they're allowed to they curse, get away with more. Talk about private parts. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So um, she, I think back to that season where they flew us down to Miami, and you're like, how how could these people really fall in love? Like they're right. just on the show, and you're just doing it for the popularity. But it's like. You're in this amazing environment, once in a lifetime experience. Young, no job, mm-hmm. no worries in the world. You're getting yeah. paid to be on the show, and you're not paying vacation. for anything. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it was like. Me and Aubrey were in this like surreal environment where I just got a record deal. I'm living right. in Miami. We're recording. I'm not paying for anything. I'm getting yeah. paid. Right. I'm now starting to do shows. I'm making the first like real money I've ever made in my life. Right. And it was like this amazing. It's just the environment is set for you to right. spark around. 100%. And everybody kind of coupled up yeah. that season. Um, it's crazy, too, because you guys were like the beginning of reality TV yeah. at that time. And it was more authentic. Like, it felt more authentic. Yeah. Whereas now we just assume everything's scripted and yeah, pre-planned because yeah. it usually is. Yep. So that always felt like more authentic to watch. And like what was happening was real. It was was real. So now I wonder, and that's why I ask as I get older and I see what happens now. I'm like, was it real? I think we were were the last of like the real shows. Yeah. There was back then it was the real world. Mm -hmm. Road rules was maybe. Yeah. I never watched that one, but I watched the real world. And then there was us. And then. Oh, my God. What is the show that popped? Laguna Beach. Yeah. And followed by the hills. Those two. Is to me started feeling scripted. Well, that's this was the start of it because yeah. in the end of the hills, they admitted that it yeah. was all faked. Yeah, yeah. No, ours yeah. was 100% real. What was it like touring with the girls while they were so massive and so hot at that moment? Yeah, it was that was amazing. 
That was that was cool because we even we were all close. We all got very close. Like once we got past like the whole we're the new guys thing, and then we got into like all right, everybody has music out, um, and then we did that tour. That was like like when you go on tour with people, that is a bonding experience. Yeah, for sure. You can't really replicate. Like you're on a tour bus. That to me is like one of the things. Like if you grow up wanting to be a singer or be famous, that's one of the things you think of. Is yeah. like the tour the bus. Sick bus. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the little things that happened that was never aired probably, but it was like we're playing PlayStation in the back of the bus, or like you're not allowed to take a crap on the bus because you have you can't stink <laughs> it up. Or like, yeah. So it was just like so fun traveling we're meeting new people we're playing football basketball with like strange people in strange places right. and then and then we're with the girls and their fans were super crazy yeah. especially on the west coast they had like amazing fans and they all just loved us too yeah. just because it was like part of the thing yeah, yeah. yeah well i feel like that was part of why everybody was so invested it was smart marketing yeah after they made the group and you got signed to put all of you together with them and kind of make it one thing yeah. made so much sense because yep. it was like a built-in fan base. Yeah, yeah so it smart. Was, it was fun. I I think I think it was good and bad. Yeah, it was that same same thing. It was like okay, on paper it looks good to do this, right? And let's do it. And it was fun, and it obviously made sense. Um, and there was even talks like I think this was going back five years ago because I think it was this. So this is our 15 year anniversary of right. that season finale where right. the whole group got signed and I got solo. Uh, five years ago at the 10-year finale leading up to it, there was a company reaching out to all of us to do a reunion. Mm -hmm. And I was like semi on board. I kind of can't commit to leave from here for too right. long, but if it made sense. And then obviously it would make the business bigger. Like, right. And you could promote it. it. Yeah. yeah. But at the time, the day 26, they weren't talking to one of their members. And then like three of Danity Kane were just not willing to come well, back. Well, that whole thing was crazy because they yeah. came back as four in yeah. like 2013. Yeah, yeah. And then they broke up again. Yeah. Or they lost Andrea. Then yeah. they broke up. Yeah. Then they tried to come back and tour again as just the three of yeah, them. The three. There's like so many iterations of Danity Kane at this point. I just, I don't know. I think if they came back, they would still do something. There's so many like... Like, I see it here, just the development of, like, where music has gone. Right. And I saw it. I saw it when people were, like, re-inspired by, like, 90s stuff. And then I saw it as, like, 2000 stuff. And people are coming in here with, like, disposable cameras. I'm like, why do you have yeah, a disposable Yeah, right. Like, camera? where is this coming from? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the fashion. And now it's, like, if there was ever a time, right now would be the time. I know. They just can't seem to, like, get yeah. it together with each other. So, Aubrey, I've stayed in touch with. Over mm -hmm. the years, she lives in Bali, right? Yeah, now. yeah. I, I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, I see all just, her shit. She's she's out there. Yeah, she Bali. is. <laughs> in more ways than yeah. one. It's such a shame though, because they were so talented and so talented together. Yeah, everything they did together just like made sense. It's like part of that thing that they say when they coach you, like as a group, you kind of want to move as one. Yeah, and when they're on stage. It's just like a well-oiled machine. Yep. It just works. And even when they came back the first time with the four of them, they played this show in LA um, at the House of Blues. I remember, yeah. And it was literally just them on stage with like nothing else. Yeah. And it was insanity. And yep. people lost their fucking minds for them. Yep. I don't know why they can't just like live in separate buses and just do it because I, there's I, so much money to be made in it as I know. well. I know. It's That's crazy. The whole other half, it's crazy. I, I feel like, like I just said, if there was ever a time and I hope they do it, because obviously 
whatever they do is good for me and my brand right. and my business now and our brand. And I do feel like this is probably wait. Do you know the last chance? Day twenty six is touring. Yeah, they yeah, just announced yeah. it on the Millennium Tour. Yes, exactly. Or some shit like There's that. So much of this stuff is just like back. Yeah, popular. Yeah, I just saw them do an interview the other day. I <laughs> have had some thoughts in the back of my head now that I've like transitioned from an artist to more of like an entrepreneur. Right. And being where our studio is, we have a lot of affluent clients and I know I could probably put some money together and then I also have the right connections at some of these production companies. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like there would be a great, great movie or series about Danity Kane because that's like... I agree. Out of the three of us, like how big can you almost get? They had number one How song. big can you get? Two yeah. platinum albums. Yeah. Number one albums to on the Billboard charts. Like fall off the face of the planet. That doesn't then, just happen. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know. So It makes me angry. I know. I'm glad we're talking about this. This feels like therapy. <laughs> because no one that I talk to is as interested in music as I am. Or if they are, they're not into like the pop shit like I am. Yeah, so yeah. they don't understand the pain that this causes yeah. me. Because there's like so much there wasted. I lived it. Ugh. I was there. God, all right. Let's I was on. probably one of their biggest fans. <sighs> let's move on. Because yeah. I feel like I'm getting stressed. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like recording the album and recording in the studio with Diddy? Yeah, it was... I mean, he... There was two sides to him. He was very cool and very business. Mm -hmm. So there was this Diddy that you would see where... This is right before iPhones. You would walk into his office and he would just be not present he was a zombie with his blackberries and right. he had like three different blackberries because he had sean john clothes were they all on because sometimes i feel like he was just doing it to be a <laughs> he, dick he could have been you never know but he was definitely he was straight business we signed those contracts just to audition for the show and he knew what he was doing he was making money on our projects mm -hmm. from like four different angles right because he was getting paid from mtv right he would get paid because we recorded songs at the recording studio that he owned, right. Daddy's House. Yeah. Then he owns the record label right. that we were signed to. And then we're not getting paid for these endorsements, but we're constantly wearing Sean John or drinking Ciroc yep. or like boosting his brands. And yep. so he's very smart when right. it comes to that. Probably tough, maybe not the right fit for a lot of people that have ever been signed to Bad Boy, but... The other half of him was actually human. Like right. there was a couple times, like you just said, with recording in the studio, and it's like he's a fun person. He was like, I don't know how much older he is than me. Maybe like I think he's in his fifties now. Yeah, so probably fifteen-ish years. Yeah. But back then, I felt like we were the same age. Yeah, he had the energy of us. Like he felt like he was our age, and I grew up on his music. Of like, course, Biggie. Right. Growing up in Brooklyn, huge Biggie fan. Of course. And then Mace, 112, yeah. like the whole bad boy situation. We used to say bad boy on our songs yeah. when we weren't even signed to bad right. boy. It was like full circle. Yes, yeah, like what a dream him. come true. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was amazing. There was sometimes like I was down in Miami. He wasn't even there. Stranded at a club. The club promoter didn't get, uh, there was no Ubers back then. Mm -hmm. He didn't get the car service. He's like, I'm calling my guy to pick you up. He shows up. He's like, have him bring you back to my house. I go back to his mansion next door to Shaq. <laughs> His chefs like cook food and he wasn't even there. Like he was a human and he yeah. was a cool yeah. person. Right. But there was that whole side to him that is just like right. straight business. In the I think in the show somewhere he said that when he sits everyone down that you guys are going to record all these albums in five weeks. Was that true? That was true. Yeah. And that was partially probably because of 
like the MTV situation where we only had that amount of time to film the whole season or whatever. And then you want to put the albums out accordingly with the show. So we went down there and they had us set up like a full camp. They flew in some of like the biggest producers, songwriters. And then the studio that we were at in Miami was called Circle House. Okay. It was on a dead end built out of a house and then a house across the street. And every room inside was built out to be a studio. Right. So... I ended up linking up with the producer's name was Seven. Mm-hmm. He was probably yeah. one of the most inspirational people in my life. Mm-hmm. And then the songwriter that I worked with was Jason Derulo. Oh, and shit. This is before he was Jason Derulo. He was just in my phone still to this day, Jason from Miami. Yeah. Because he was just the songwriter that I kind of got paired up with because I wasn't as big as the other group. Mm-hmm. So they put me with the little guy. But then right. the little guy ended up being like probably the most talented guy there. Right. And then seven and became and the was, biggest. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was insane. That whole experience was amazing too. That's crazy. You've worked with so many people that are such a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. Jason Derulo, we've always stayed close with him. We've gotten him booked for some private parties from like some of our more affluent Rich people, people that come here. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's always been cool. So your first single, Take You There, features Diddy, releases in March of 2008. And your debut album, Just a Rolling Stone, drops the same year. How involved were you in creating the album? Because I know sometimes with like a debut album with artists, especially at that time, mm-hmm. especially with the major label and the whole television machine, sometimes you kind of have to just like do what they want for the first album, mm-hmm. hope it hits, and then like fight for some more control, control on the yeah. second project. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was. I want to say like half and half. It was just a mess of a situation. It was Seven was the producer I really clicked with. And we went down, we created amazing songs. And then I went back to work with him and we created like what in my head would have been that full body of music. Mm -hmm. Like looking back back then, this was like Gaga basically went there right after we were kind of going there. Right. But she was able to like creatively be there she yeah like, that's what that's the direction they took her first yeah. project so but there was like a sound to it like sonically right it was like Cohesive. kind of like especially at that time 08 you were about to lead into this edm revolution right and like you're dabbling with it and you're playing with that four on the floor kick like and that's what we were really really doing and right. then everything got back to the label and there was so many chefs and politics and who owed who what and then Seven and Diddy ended up... So the, my my album was called Just a Rolling Stone because one of the songs I made with Seven, to me, should have been the first single. It was called Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And then there was creative differences with Seven and Diddy, and half those songs didn't even get onto the album. That's crazy. Including Rolling Stone. Right. And then by then, it was like too late. They did the album artwork. Right. It was called Just a Rolling Stone. It was like... Yeah, and back then, you couldn't just no. switch that shit like you can yeah, now. You produced... <laughs> however many cds it was a mess that's crazy so half the songs from the album were just gone gone did you have the songs that ended up on it already or did you have to like scramble uh yeah so i want to say i mean they were all incredible songs probably more like album filler sounding songs mm-hmm. rather than like what would have been like a really don't really you strong talk that way album. about dr love yeah. that's my shit <laughs> dr love i did with seven that's my shit i yeah. love that that beat was crazy yeah <laughs> What did you do the day the album came out? Like, how were you feeling? Where were you? Uh, okay, so it's right around my mom's birthday. We had an album release party. Mm-hmm. 
Jason Derulo was there and he was now slowly becoming Jason Derulo. Mm-hmm. I remember like my mom was freaking out that he was there or whatever. <laughs> and then I think I flew straight from that. I, I flew to, to LA straight from that album release party to do my LA album release party the next day. And they surprised me with like Lloyd. Do you remember Lloyd? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then... uh Somebody else was there. Somebody else like didn't he have a song called "Take You There" too? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. You remember that song? No, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. That was like his big single yes. besides uh, the lead single yeah. that I yeah, can't yeah. remember, but Me I can either. hear in my head. I can't even remember who was there, but it was somebody like Lloyd that was like big on that like R and B ish scene back then, and they surprised me. They were at there. They were at my L A album release party. That's cool. Yeah, it was fun. I lived the dream for a few years. Somewhere in between this too, I don't remember if it was while you were still signed to them. We actually met because you, they booked you for a, one of my best friends, Sweet Sixteens. Wait, who was it? Uh, her name was Angelina. Yes, I, I remember that. Yeah. I tried to find these pictures all week and we can't find Damn. them anywhere. I texted her too. I was like, where are these pictures? Nobody can find them. Yeah, of course. But they probably got deleted with MySpace. <laughs> no, they should have been somewhere. But they were like physical pictures yeah. that I had to take pictures of Damn. and put on the internet. Damn. But there's a picture of us somewhere. I have braces. You look extremely familiar. <sighs> I, I don't know why. I've... This was 90 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I was literally 17 wow. at the time. And I had braces and a shaved head. I looked terrible. I looked like I was sick. Um, but there's a picture of us. And I remember me and my other good friend were the only ones who knew you were part, coming. Part of me feels like it was in Island Park. What is the name of that place? It was a club. Yeah. Yeah. In, it was like, a, yeah. like near Long Beach, right? I don't remember. I was like If that's the one child. I'm thinking of, then I kind of remember that. Yeah. I just remember that we were the only two people who knew you were coming because it was a surprise. Wow. And we were freaking out. And we were like looking around the whole day. We were like, where is he? Where is he? And then we found out you were in the lobby and we were like, should we go out there? We were like, fuck, we were like fucking children. We didn't know not to be weird. Um, but yeah, so there's a funny picture of us wow. somewhere that I can't find. Please find it. It's that. in a box somewhere. Like the real. We need to make that the cover of this somehow. <laughs> uh, I know, right? Does it even exist anymore? So the album doesn't perform the way that everyone expects. And that's where like trouble starts with the label. What happened there? Right before that, I was interviewing a bunch of possible managers, which in hindsight was a very, very big decision Mm -hmm. that was to be made. What happened was I was interviewing a ton of different managers and then it got to the point where Diddy was like, you need to, you need to choose somebody. You need to choose somebody. And at the time I had met with Troy Carter, who was Lady, who ended up being Lady Gaga's Which is crazy because she's the first person he's managed. Yeah. Insane. And we met with him. Um, we met with Scooter Braun. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the only person he managed was Asher Roth. Okay. The Isle of yeah. College. I loved him. No, so not was, even that. His whole album was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me yeah. Too. Um, I met with a ton of different people at that time. And then it was like, we were trying to like make the right decision. It was like, we didn't know. We, we met with big companies, little companies, people like this who seemed hungry, but you didn't know. Yeah. And then it finally got to the point where... Diddy came with like two of his like big goons and the president of the label. And he was like, you have to pick a manager. What's taking so long? And he's like, I was like, I, I'm just trying to make sure I make the right choice here. Like this is a gigantic right. decision. And he ended up saying, you have to pick one of these two people. And it was both people that he had in his back pocket. And 
I probably didn't have to, mm-hmm. but it felt like I had to. Right. And I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm a kid at that point. I'm right. like, I don't, I don't want to ruin this. Like I just made it. I don't want to right. get fired or whatever. I didn't even know what I thought. And I went with one of the people he recommended. And I think that was a big problem because anytime I wanted to fight for something, especially creatively and musically, and then like with getting to put out more music, mm-hmm. I felt like it was just, he he wouldn't go after Diddy the way an outside manager would right, have right. felt like they could go after Right, because it was kind of his employee yeah. almost. So it was, that was tough. That was a big, that was a, Probably one of the biggest things, because then there was that little, little bit of time in between that we probably could have just put a single out and right. if it was a strong enough song, right? salvage that little 15 minutes of fame. right? But then that 15 minutes turned into an hour and it turned into now the show isn't airing anymore. And then right. it turned into, are they even going to open up a budget for my next stuff? And it was tough. That was- well, which is crazy because they were telling you at that time, I remember you were talking about doing a second album mm-hmm. and they were like no you need to push the first one yeah but they weren't putting out a single so how do you push it was, an album that it, they're not it was helping a, you with a perfect storm of a situation it was right around that time of like okay now we've all mastered limewire mm-hmm. and like getting dripping songs off for free and it was before the labels figured out streaming and it was really, really b- right before iTunes. Right. It wasn't like you weren't really buying songs yet on iTunes. Like, why are you going to buy a song if you could just get it for free? Yeah. Unless you really want to support the I artist. actually cleaned out my mom's house the other day because she's moving. I found this giant, you know, those giant CD stacks yeah. that you buy at fucking Target yeah, of the yeah. blank CDs. I found a ton of shit that I burned. And no joke, I took a picture of it. And I took the cap off and the first one has your name written across it because I bought the album on iTunes and was like, wow. I'll just burn it to a CD. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Pretty crazy. <laughs> I was like, I showed my mom. I was like, this is a sign. So if, she was like, of what? You already booked the interview. What yeah, does it matter? Yeah. 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 If uh, only uh, two million other people weren't that uh, loyal. <laughs> Let's see if we can send it. Maybe yeah. we can do one of those like online campaigns that all those crazy Beyonce fans yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justice for just a rolling stone (laughs) (laughs) i'll start it see if we can catch fire so at what point do you separate from bad boy and how did that happen oh man so this is tough too so we i had interest from def jam Mm -hmm. and i was talking very closely with this one a and r there and they were like let our lawyers lawyers handle it we'll get you out of your deal but we don't want to wait too long this was probably 2010 Mm mm-hmm they're like, so we're going to fly you, we're going to open up the budget, fly you down to Atlanta and have you do like five or six songs. And mm-hmm. then they were like, they were like, this is now the start of people aren't going to put out albums. You're going to go single by single. And it was, that was what was going to happen. Right. I went down, I created amazing songs down there with this team. I was able to be more involved creatively mm-hmm. in songwriting. And then we came back and. I couldn't get out of my deal. I didn't get out of that deal until like 2013. Was that because of him? It was just, I was stuck. I was shelved. Yeah, but so, they wouldn't let you go. No. I feel like his label is like that. I feel like they're a little vindictive. Yeah. Like, it if was, I'm not going to make money off of you, nobody is. There was a couple things that happened. They, um, at the time, they were under, Bad Boy was under Atlantic Records when we got signed. Mm-hmm. And then they were transitioning. So we also got stuck in this hiatus of like, am I an Atlantic artist? Am right. I Bad Boy that's now moving over to Interscope? Like, we were we were literally stuck. Right. It was like we we weren't signed to a label, but we were contractually obligated to wait it out until they figured out what was happening. Right. 
So that slowed everything up. There was a lot. There was a lot of stuff. So anyway, that music I did for Def Jam never, never came out. Right. Either. Do you still have it? I mean, I put it out just like independently mm-hmm. years after. I just put out like a Valentine's Day mixtape. <laughs> When I was trying to string it out. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the point too, like while you're making your album and going through all this trouble where he's making his album? Did he? Yeah. He was he was still doing stuff. Yeah. He was was part of it. Right before he was doing stuff right after. Yeah, I feel like that was part of the problem. Because he's got these three separate artists that he's trying to work on. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's doing his own thing. There's like there's this like kind of like hidden undertone on bad boy that nobody ever really gets bigger than him right so who knows i can't imagine i wouldn't i still to this day don't understand why that would ever happen because just as a mogul like you look at somebody like jay-z he's pretty much responsible for like rihanna right and she's arguably bigger at sometimes has been bigger and definitely He's making money off of it. It's not like a bad thing. It's right. Like but I think that's like the weird ego trip with some people where like you want to be the boss, but you also want to be the star. Yeah, yeah, you want to yeah. be the biggest star in the room. Yeah. And people say that shit about him all the time, like that he doesn't pay his artists, that he ruins their careers, yeah. that he plays all these games. And there's always like the bad boy curse conversation. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that that's like a thing? It's I don't know. It's very hard to tell because I know there were definitely mistakes made on my end. Mm hmm. But then looking at Danity Kane's situation, it's like, I don't know. They're a group, too. They were definitely having their little of course. hiccups, too. But instead of like coming in and trying to wrangle them together and be like, what are we doing? Yeah. I don't think that the way he handled it. Yeah, no. I it was mean, great for television, but... That's something I see now on the other end as like a business owner and running a team. Right. If I saw stuff like hitting the fan, I'm not gonna just be like, "All right, you guys are you guys all are done, disbanded." And yeah, I especially don't know. with the success, and yeah. they were at the height of their popularity. Why would you throw that out the door? It doesn't make sense. So stupid. Yeah. Um. So then you were working on an album with an independent label, Eight Seven Two. Yeah. So that was that was a brief situation. That was like that was right after I got out of the deal completely. Mm-hmm. And I was with a new management company. They managed um, Mano, and they were really cool, awesome people. They were really trying. They also waited out those last couple, like year and a half, um, for me to get out of my deal. And then they hooked me up with that company, but nothing ever really. At that point, I also we opened up the studio in 2011, mm-hmm. so I was quickly like my brain was turning into like, do I want to do that and right. risk like being a struggling artist again just to like maybe make it or do I want to have like a concrete business and a right. company where I'm still doing what I love to do and we were having some little successes here already so I just kind of was like my heart at that point wasn't fully in it right it was more here so you opened this in 2011 the loft sound studio which is where we are now and it's a little different than other recording studios because you're also doing artist development. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about, for people that don't know, what exactly you do with an artist in that situation. Yeah, so I mean, it's basically the rundown of everything we just spoke about. I am open and honest with these kids. So me and my partner, Matt, we obviously went through it as teenagers and like what we learned in the business and how many sharks there are and the good stuff, the bad stuff, what happens when you get to a label, what happens 
we've grown with social media since we've had our business. Like right. our initial goal was to find like a Justin Bieber and use the power of YouTube to blow them up and then use the connections that I had made to get them signed to a label. Right. So one of the first girls we worked with was Madison Beer, who she was just going to school of rock. Her dad brought her to us because he saw another girl's video that we did. And it just kind of started this like, holy crap, I think we found what we were looking for. Mm -hmm. We wanted to, it to be a young male artist, but she just kind of came in and just right. like, she needed work, but she had the look, she had like the charisma mm -hmm. and she just had a presence. Like there's been a lot of famous people I've met that you just feel their presence when right. they walk in the room. We were talking about that in the car. Yeah. It's like that star quality. Yeah. And you she, either have it or you she don't. She had it. Mm -hmm. um, so we worked with her for like eight months. She ended up getting signed with Scooter Braun. Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber was posting her stuff. It was free advertisement oh, for our yeah. studio. It yeah. was like our logo was all over it. Our Back then we were in Plainview. It was like a showcase of our, we would do different areas of the studio when we did videos with her. And it was like a little tour and Justin right. Bieber would share these videos. And it was literally free advertisement right. from Justin Bieber. So we weren't really involved on the management side of her career. We were still kind of like young and building and growing our business. I still had an artist mentality. I was like, we don't want to throw contracts at people. Look mm -hmm. what it did to me. Right. We should have probably had contracts. Right. Um, but that definitely sparked like our whole business. Cause then like we know what we're doing. And a big difference with us is like we're so open and honest with people. Right. And which is something I pride myself on because of how many times we went to places or met with people and we got filled up with broken promises. Right. Where it was like, oh, I'll get you to this person, or no, I'll take you to this person. It's like Nobody could guarantee anything in this business. So right. I think people come here and they appreciate that realness and then they get like artist development. I don't think artists get developed anymore. That kind of, we were almost the yeah. last of they that. They used to sign people to development deals yeah. with labels back yep. in the day, but I don't think they do that anymore. Yeah, it's, it's now they almost want you to just develop this, yourself. Yeah, this ready package. Have a following. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Have a million on TikTok and have something that's viral already and then they're going to jump on and help it explode. Right. More. And they honestly don't even care if you can sing. Yeah. They'll just fix it. No, it's, it's weird. It's more, I, I think things are going to reset soon because I have a feeling things are going to start. And I, I even feel it already. They're going to go back to actually albums. I was just going to say that's already started. Yeah. It's, it's starting already. already. Starting. I even feel bands obviously are coming back mm -hmm. now. It's like, you're getting back to that. Like, I think people want to hear more real yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, the new Beyonce album is like... So sick. It's like a DJ set. Yeah. It just start to finish flows. You don't even realize yeah. you're in the next song. Yep. Um, I don't know if you listen to Brent Fayez. Mm. His new album, he's like the big thing right now in R&B. Okay. He's really good. His album has yeah. a lot of old sounds, but okay. still sounds current. Yes. Yeah, and it's yeah. the same thing. It's got like the old um, interlude yeah. style. Love it. All that stuff is coming back. Yeah. And I feel like that's been missing yep. for so long. I hate the like single market. It was it was social media. It just killed everybody's attention spans and and it's still kind of killed, but like like if you look Vine had us watching 6 second videos and right. we were just like, all right, on to the next I one. I always hated that one for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like I think people are just now getting tired of it to the point where now they're ready to appreciate like bodies of work of music. Yeah. Let's go back to Madison Beer for a second cuz this is the third time in this interview that you've like done my transition for me <laughs> and went to next on my list. 
do you still like have you had stayed in touch with her as her career has yeah. gotten bigger yeah yeah did you listen to the album yeah life support so that was actually one of the first times so just like we said your first album out or your first single you don't really get that much creative but control she did. now this was her next album and her chance to finally so what happened with her was she she kind of got shelved mm-hmm. also right with she got signed to Scooter Braun. Mm-hmm. You think you're signing with the biggest manager in the business. He represents Justin Bieber. and it's Ariana like, Grande at yeah. the time, too. So he signed Ariana the same year he signed Madison. And it was like, he was signing everything at that point. Yeah. Like, when you become the biggest manager, you take full advantage of it, and you sign you sign everything. He and signed Martin Garrix. He yeah. signed Psy after the Gangnam Style song came out. Like, right. He had that work out for him. <laughs> I'm sure you made money on it. Actually. 100%. Yeah. So he was just signing everything. But then the more you sign, the smaller your vision could come for the, the smaller artists that right. were signed to you, especially after she put a couple of things out. And the, the bad thing with her was she was like 12 or 13, but she looked 21. Right. And she wanted to sing songs like she was 21, but the label can't do that because right. you got to give us a kid right. songs that are for a kid. Yeah. So she came out with Kitty song, and it just didn't add up with her look, and right. it's just like that was that was a lost cause for a little bit. Yeah. But she's a beautiful girl. She was able to continue to grow her social media, get some endorsement deals, mm-hmm. ride that wave. Yeah, she's grow, got a huge following with social media. Yeah. And now she's always been extremely talented with like creatively her vision of where she wanted to go yeah and she always loved like elvis and she just loved that like old chord progression and the sound and quality of it and she finally got to like do that yeah with life support so her whole album is incredible so, i don't know who produced it but it's outrageous she, she worked with a bunch of different producers the she, production is rich yeah yeah so the crazy story with that is over the pandemic she was finishing it and nowhere was open Mm -hmm. and she needed to like recut some vocals or fix something and we were like all right we'll open oh you did it here we like just like a couple little vocals what songs really take credit for it i don't even remember it was maybe it was baby okay whatever it was it was super quick we were in here for like 20 minutes i remember physically being nervous because that was at the time where it was like we weren't even going anywhere right so we just opened the doors for like 20 minutes came in mass on (laughs) That's crazy. Stayed as far away as possible. That's Didn't insane. Didn't get to take a picture. I don't know why they stopped pushing that album. I don't know if it was because of COVID, the time it came out. It, it could have been. There's so many great songs on there. Yeah. And they kind of just like abandoned it. And she put out another single that had nothing to do with it. Right before she toured. Yeah. And then she did like a virtual concert that they were all doing that at yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah. Where you would like pay to watch it. Yep. And it was incredible. Yeah. I don't know why they let that album go because there's so much like she's she's got some really, really good new stuff. So, coming. Yeah. Mm. And I did see the growth. She was selling out like two thousand seat places yeah. and now she's sold out like I think five thousand seat yeah. places. She's in Europe. playing a big theater. I had tickets, but I missed it. Yeah. yeah I also yeah. didn't want to go without my little cousin who couldn't go. Because I can't show up to like a little girl concert alone, you know? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. secretly, she was my excuse to go. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I love the album. You can let me know next time. Okay, great. I'll be the weirdo that's in <laughs> we, the crowd. With we you. could be weird yeah. and old together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so funny. What about Connor Maynard? What did you do with him? So that actually was through Madison. She, so when she was able to get out of her management deal with Scooter, mm-hmm. 
she signed to this new management company based out of London who also represented Connor. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first things they wanted to do was get her to do something with him so that it just like re-sparks this. Like, you're not just a pretty face. We want you to be seen for like being a singer. Right. But without it being your originals yet. So she, they set her up to do that with him. And she was like, we have to do this at my studio. This is like where I started with the covers. It would just make sense. And yeah. So, yeah. He's awesome. I loved his album, too. He was super cool. He ended up staying and hanging out until like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Just chilling with them. He came back a couple times after that. Yeah. He's a cool dude. He's doing like a big thing on TikTok now. Yeah. Like yeah, that yeah. seems to be where he's gone. Yeah. But it's working for him. He's got like a shit ton of followers. How do you feel like having a family has changed your career? Oh, or maybe man. like your career goals. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a game changer. These babies wake you up. <laughs> it's uh so I mean it's my wife had some little complications in the first pregnancy, so she ended up stopping working. Mm -hmm. So it's been all on me mm -hmm. for the whole time that we've had two babies. So right. it's just like it's tough. It's like there's this whole half of me that it's hard to now put my energy into music and right. doing stuff for the artists I work with because then there's this half of me that's like, damn, I miss being with the girls. I want to be home with the babies. Mm -hmm. But then there's this like crazy anxiety and stress that I feel when I'm home with them that I'm like, damn, I need to be out right. working and providing for this family and right. like growing the business and like, like I want to get these kids in like a mansion. And like, <laughs> so it's like this like weird push pull that I have. It's like, it's game changing. It changes your whole entire mentality. Yeah. What are your thoughts on how the music industry has changed, like specifically with streaming? Because we were talking about like when you release stuff, it was very different. People were buying music. It was physical copies. It was stores. What do you think of how the industry has changed? Do you think it's bettered? Do you think it's made things more complicated? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it kind of reminds me of like bottled water. It's like... <laughs> Like you didn't need to buy bottled water, mm -hmm. but they've grown that into like this huge business. Right. Like, and I remember in the '90s we didn't drink bottled water. It was just like I don't even remember. We just drank Whatever water was coming yeah. out of the tap. Yeah. So then, like, I don't know. I feel like in order for the labels and the music industry to save itself, it had to brainwash millions of people into thinking this is this is. This is the way to now get your music. Like, yeah. they couldn't arrest everybody. I fought it for so long, like the Spotify shit. Yeah. I fought it until it was, you could just have to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's everything. And it was obviously ahead of the trend mm -hmm. of streaming. Now everything is streamed, like movies, everything. It's like you have to pay for the plus yeah, service. Right. Of, I, and there's so everything. many different ones. Yeah. They're really scamming us. Yeah. <laughs> they made it like we were getting away with no cable, but now we pay more. It's insane. Yeah crazy i feel like it's just changed things in the sense of how you break as an artist i think like the accessibility to release music is great and not so great yeah because yeah, yeah. anyone can put out a song you kind of get lost in like the sea of yep. people and i feel like it's almost harder to get noticed on your own it is than back then when you would go to a label and try to get signed 100 yeah it's it's like i don't know i feel like there's it's a it's a give and take because even like here, this is where we have to stay ahead of everything to try to advise upcoming artists on what's the best route to take. Right. So it was like when t when Instagram was brand new, we were like, this is it. Right. Like everybody do this. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as they started doing videos, 
there was they were 15 second max at yeah. that point we were doing 15 second covers with people like mm-hmm. that's how like we've had to adapt but we've also had to like make sure that we keep our eye on the trends so that we're advising everybody that comes here the best route to take right to give themselves the best chance to make it so just like right before the pandemic we saw it with tiktok and we were like starting to do some videos with people for tiktok then it was like we were doing zooms with people during Mm -hmm. the pandemic to try to help people stay up on like their content for tiktok and we were trying to like because the problem is like you could it's so easy to put something up that I feel like a lot of people are putting stuff up, but I mean, I'll give myself as the example. When I was younger, I was not the greatest singer. Mm -hmm. I definitely learned and grew through the process of recording and through the process of like working with the people I worked with and like development. Right. And we work with some artists that are like that. It's like you maybe would put something out on your own singing it at home. And some people don't have that natural ability. It's Mm -hmm. like, we got to work on it first and then we're going to get it recorded. And then you're going to put this out and people are going to be like, Wow. Right. Which is like, we met with L.A. Reid. He used to be the president of Def Jam. Mm-hmm. He's gigantic. Yeah. He he gave us the advice. We were we had a girl group at that time. And his advice was like, still filter the stuff you put out. Like, right. even though it's easy to put stuff out, there has to be some sort of filter to it. Like, you have right. to treat it a little bit like the labels treated stuff. Like, you never heard Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston sound off. Right. Because they were filtered. They yeah. were put through these like rigorous development processes and they recorded songs until they were blue in the face until like they had these amazing diva songs to put out. Right. So it's like, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's, and then there's people we work with that are just like, they could, they could just sing a song out of their house. They don't need us. Right. They sound amazing no matter what the acoustics Mm -hmm. are and they could probably try to blow up. But then there's those artists that are maybe more of like a recording artist and they're more, like they have a creative thing to them, right. like a Lady Gaga or like a like a Rihanna, mm-hmm. where it's like you have to to have the full artistry to it. Right. And I think that's where we really, really help people like mold themselves and, and grow. Is there anyone you're working with right now that you're excited about? Oh God, there's a few. So this this happens every few years where it's like I I don't ever want to get involved with the pipe dream. Mm-hmm. And then people come in here and I'm like, oh my here we go. I'm going to get involved with the pipe dream again. And we're going to be walking into labels and I'm going to be pulling contacts and we're going to go down this road that I've gone down for the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a couple, two of them are actually a brother and sister, Um, Olivia Bregoli and her brother, Tyler. Tyler is like a little Justin Bieber, but like a new age Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber. And he's got the whole like new TikTok. (laughs) Oh my God, the haircut. I hate it. He's sick. And she's amazing, too. They're separate. They're not a group or anything. Mm-hmm. They're both amazing. Um, we have a couple that have <clears throat> been coming in here that have definitely had their finger on the pop punk trend. Mm-hmm. Um, one girl, Trinity Gray, another girl, Brianna. They're just like super, super talented. And they've been like authentically doing pop punk. Right. It's not like, oh, we're going to do pop punk now because it's pop. There's, There's always like there's... The talent we've had that we've worked with the past 11 years, there should have been way more of them that made it. Mm-hmm. There's like amazing people. And it's just a testament to like how many amazing people there right. are in this in this world. Right. Like you it's a little bit about at, timing and yeah, luck too. You need a little bit of that timing. Like I remember seeing some people back in the day, American Idol, and like there's some amazing people that don't end up making it. Right. 
So it's it's tough, man. I am that's what we tell people. This is the hardest business in the world. Like you could be the most talented and the most hardworking, and you still need to get lucky. Right. You still need that one thing to happen to to put you over the top. Yeah, there's so many talented people that don't end up doing anything major. Yeah. It's crazy. It there's sucks. just so many. Yeah. What are you listening to now that you're enjoying? Like who's putting out music right now that you like? A lot of baby shark. <laughs> um, right now we're we're going through the frozen phase. Oh no. Moana. Oh my god. I could recite you Maui's whole <laughs> rap part by heart. That's funny. You know what I've been doing whenever I get the chance? I'll just like put on something that I either heard or that somebody covered from here that I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. this song is sick. Yeah. And then I'll just let new songs come on. And I kind of like that. Yeah. I kind of like discovering some of these new people. Yeah. That's what I like Spotify for. It's really easy because yeah. they just end up like creating a radio yeah. station. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so organic. I love it. Yeah. So I nobody specifically, I finally listened to the Beyonce album. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like one of the first albums I actually like pressed play on in a while, but it was just because I was hearing crazy stuff. And I was hearing this from like big producers yeah. that I knew either worked on it or were just like raving about it. Yeah. Just because it was so like eclectic and outside. It's the crazy. Box. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very so. different. I like there's a lot of crazy sounds in specific songs, yeah. like very not what everyone else is doing, yeah. which is yeah, always yeah. great. So, and now everyone else will start doing of that. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> what is the accomplishment that you're most proud of? Oh, man. Besides the babies. Yes. Gotta, I knew you were going to say that. Take them off you're the such list. a dad now. I am. I'm super it's crazy. Dad. I was just pushing them on swings yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, a life change. Yeah. Potential I mean, superstar to daddy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Full dad. The baby, so they're two and a half and one. Mm -hmm. And they don't even call me dada or daddy anymore. It's just dad. I'm like, I thought this is supposed to be when you're like teenagers. I'm just dad. Yeah. Hey, dad. That that moment getting that solo deal is definitely a huge moment. Mm -hmm. I always think back to that. There's been like a lot of little successes we've had within the business. And some of them were like, financial things or like things entrepreneurs think of like growing the business to this level or whatever but there's been a couple of things that have happened in here with like kids that have came in and even if they didn't end up like making it making it we made a gigantic difference in right. their life like right. i think back to some of these kids that have came in that were like like there'll be times in here where we end up sitting here and they're crying to me about either a bully or the parent passed away and like there's I've gotten so close with so many of these artists that feels like one of the biggest accomplishments was just like being able to change people's lives like we kind of did it for ourselves singing in our group when we were teenagers and Mm -hmm. we were getting bullied by people for being boy bands and whatever Mm -hmm. and it was like we were we were able to be there for each other back then and like work out whatever we needed to through music whatever was going on in our lives and it's like I've seen us be able to do that for a bunch of kids and and adults. Like I have this woman as a breast cancer survivor, Nicole Marks, and she's like kind of changed my life. Mm -hmm. She's just so inspiring by her story and everything she's went through that she's been coming for 10 years and she's become like a friend. She came to my wedding. She's like... That's crazy. Like I've gotten very close with certain people. I remember one person came way back in the day with a song for dedicated to the Sandy Hook kids. Mm-hmm. And it was at first I was like, no, yeah. I don't want I don't want somebody trying to like monetize or make money or put a song out 
over this tragedy right. that just happened. Like, but he he came in. I think he ended up sending us a voice memo. He was old. He didn't even know how to record, and it was like that. We were all bawling our eyes uh-huh. out. The song was just insane, and you could hear it in his voice. Like he was old. Like the whole thing was just like yeah. so emotional. Like he never got to make it, and he kind of sounded like that old school like. Bob Dylan where they're just there with a guitar right. and it's just like it was amazing like I've had a bunch of those moments here that like I don't know it's been amazing seeing That's like really cool. giving people the opportunity to at least just like feel what it's like right or express themselves through being creative and writing what about your biggest regret oh man <laughs> I saved the deep shit for the end see it all comes back to the babies because I can't regret anything because if I change anything That's then it true. would change the path that created the babies That's true. Uh, very PG answer. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. It's it's it is hard to regret anything though because it's like if the things that went bad didn't happen, I never would have learned whatever I and learned. You might not from be it. here. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's tough. Everything kind of serves its purpose as yeah. long as you like learn from it. Exactly. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. What are your long term goals for the studio? You know, we had to weather a few situations. The pandemic was close. Mm-hmm. That was very close. And this is, we're, we're coming out of a decade where way more studios in Long Island closed than have been open. Not even just Long Island, the world. Right. It's like people are able to do this out of their house right. now. But this is also like an interesting area for this kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, you yeah. kind of have to, like we were talking about before, you were saying that you, your other studio was 10 minutes further mm-hmm. and you feel like there's such a difference being 10 minutes the other way. Yeah. It's such like a weird area geographically to try to like do something like this. Yeah, I, I think it also ends up coming back to like the knowledge that we're really giving to the people that right. come here. It's It's like, like I said, we're genuine about it. It's not like, we're not like begging for people to come in or anything. It's just like, we're just genuine about it. Like the people we end up working with, they either heard of us through the previous person or Madison, or we've had a couple of people on the voice and stuff like that. And it's like, we are genuinely here to try to help people yeah. and just like share our knowledge of our experiences and then help them find whatever it is that is their brand. Like, I think there's just a difference of what we do here. It's not just recording. It's like we're doing from top to bottom, like, okay, great. Let's work on your voice, but also what is your sound? What is yeah. your brand? What is your aesthetic? Like let's let's create this whole entire package around you, which doesn't happen anymore. And if and when you get that opportunity or something blows up, let's have you ready to capitalize on right. it. That's like that's a big thing too, because you could have something go viral, but you're not prepared for your moment and a and label reaches out that? and yeah. yeah it's like there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot of people that are like oh everybody that gets on these shows like the voice nobody ever really makes it there's just a handful like Kelly Clarkson Carrie Underwood there's just a couple that have ever made it right but it's because there's like there's that 15 minutes of fame that we spoke about that if you're not ready to capitalize then nothing's going to happen yeah, yeah right once you're out of sight out of mind and then it's like you're going to think like all right i got like 50,000 followers out of it and then the followers start to dwindle mm-hmm. the likes the comments start to dwindle because they kind of liked you for being on the show and maybe some of them fell in love and became fans and they're going to stick with you your whole career but it's like I don't know I feel like there's there's like it's not the same as when you when you were getting fans right. in person right and that's another thing we try to keep everybody like don't just do social media right 
go out and meet people, go out and sing for people, like make real fans because those are going to be your fans for life right. when, when you see them and interact in person. Right. And they have a memory of yep. you, even if it's just a show. Exactly. I have so many memories from over the years of concerts and people I've seen when they were starting out and have yeah. become huge. And even what we talked about today, like meeting you back in the day, yeah, yeah. you know, like that kind of shit sticks with you. Of course. It's yeah. like, I don't know, it's ingrained in us, I guess, like traditions or just like memories in general. It's like yeah. when you have that connection, some of them, that's why some of these people are as big as they are, like a Demi Lovato or Ariana, Justin Timberlake, his career path. Like yeah. they started on these shows and then people got to grow up with them. Right. And it's like, that's why there's such a huge attachment to them. Yeah. It's because you kind of grew with their whole career. Taylor, Taylor Swift, it's like people have grown with her through her career. Right. To like, you feel like you're a part of it. Yeah, you feel like you're you're one you're on her team. Yeah, you feel like you know them. Yeah, they feel like distant relatives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is your advice to anyone listening that is starting out in music? It's gonna be harder to make it than it is not to make it. It's gonna be the hardest path you ever go down. Um, this is the hardest business in the world. Don't let anybody tell you that it's not. Try to stay weary of the people that promise you anything because i've seen i've seen the president of a record label of sony i've seen his granddaughter not even be able to make it mm -hmm. after they tried to like push her career it's like you have to have the thickest skin because number one depending on your age even if you're past high school people aren't going to fully understand you because creative people are just we're outside the box mm -hmm. We believe in something that maybe other people don't see the vision to right away. Right. But that's the reason why you're doing it is to create this and make people see the vision. And you have to have like just the craziest work ethic. You have to have a crazy reason why you're doing it mm -hmm. that is going to make you continue because right. you're going to get told, no, you're going to get told your stuff's not good enough. You're going to get told this thing that you created that you think is the best thing is terrible. You're going to hear a hundred different things. You're going to get hate comments online. You're going to get the bullies in school. You're going to get the family members that don't understand. Like you're, it's basically going to be you against the world. And right. you have to be able to be ready to withstand it and be the one artist that kept going until they got the yes that they needed or right. until that thing happened, until something went viral or until their song blew up on TikTok or somebody used their sound or... They got discovered. Like you have to keep going no matter what you do. You just, you have to not stop. It sounds so cliche, but it's like the ones that don't make it are the ones that kind of stop. Give up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think that's what's so awesome about what you're doing here because it's so rare to find an environment in this industry where people genuinely want to help you mm -hmm. and are passionate about what they're doing and not just looking at you as like a dollar sign yeah, totally. or a ticket somewhere. Yep. And I think when you come into an environment like this as a creative person or an artist and you can feel that, it makes all the difference. Because yeah. like you're saying, maybe everyone else doesn't believe in what you're doing. But if someone comes here and you or someone on your team gives yeah. them that, yep. it's motivating. Yeah. So I think that that's so awesome that you're doing all of this here. Yeah. It's Thank really you. cool. I, yeah. Let me throw in actually also, there's been a few kids. So we we are also like an approved therapeutic service. So we have a couple kids that come to us that are autistic, um, very high functioning, and they are incredible. Mm -hmm. Like either the musical ability or just like 
the personality and the passion behind mm-hmm. it. It's like unbelievable. And they get reimbursed by the state for this being a therapeutic service. Mm-hmm. And even though they get reimbursed, it's like, I feel like this is a therapeutic service for everybody. Yeah. Just because it's like one day or another, it's it turns into a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, that's that's one of the best accomplishments too. Seeing some of those kids walk out and they're just like so happy. Yeah. It's like, that's such a good feeling when we see that. That must be so like gratifying. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for sitting down with me and doing this. Thank you for having me here. Of course. This thank place you. is incredible. If you're looking to record some shit and develop, call Donnie. Reach out to him on Instagram. Yeah. Drop right. all your shit. Not the, that you need we're to. We're at the Loft Sound Studio. <laughs> Come find us. <laughs> we're hidden. <laughs> yeah. Don't park at the place next door because they might tell you unless you leave a sign. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. 